Hey, this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. You know, Jesus often taught with parables, but not everybody understood them. And when the disciples asked Jesus, why in the world do you teach this way? He said that my teaching with parables has two clear effects. One is good and one is bad. Which result do you see in your life with regards to the parables of Jesus? How are you doing this morning? Yeah, man, it's good to hear you sing. It's good to hear you praise God together. It's just really, I love being part of that together uh, with the body. It's just really a blessing. Man, it's a blessing to me. Is it a blessing to you? I I just love that, love that. And I love our study that we're doing, uh, studying the life of Jesus through the book of Mark. Uh, I just love doing this. It's just been really a blessing to me so far. As we've been going through this, we've been taking it kind of slow. In fact, we started in April with chapter 1, and uh, today we're in chapter 4. In fact, let me show you a little bit of a timeline of kind of what we've been doing here. So we started out back in April, and it took us eight weeks to get through chapter 1 together. And then we only took three weeks in Mark 2, and then we did one week in Mark chapter 3 before we skipped forward to 4, where Jeff unpacked the first in a sequence of parables for us. And then we backed up after that, and Stephen talked about the family of Jesus. And then the following week, last week, I talked about uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to skip over, uh, and we're going to go back to Mark 4, and we're going to be in the rest of these parables that Mark wants to show us this morning. And we're going to continue straight on from there. Hopefully, no more jumping around. That's kind of where we've been. Uh, And I want you to see something else about what we're looking at, because the tension builds in Galilee. If there's one thing that you'll notice if you're really paying attention is that the tension is building as Mark is revealing Jesus to us. It starts out in Mark chapter 1. Not a lot of tension there. He just kind of introduces the characters, John the Baptist and Jesus. And everyone is always astonished at his exousia. We see that Jesus comes with this authority, this power that's beyond anything anybody ever expected, and everyone's astonished. But by Mark chapter 2, the tension starts to go up because Jesus starts to have conflicts with the religious people. They start asking questions. Well, now, wait a minute. Why are you doing this, and why aren't you doing that? And and so the tension kind of kind of starts to really, really happen in Mark chapter 2. But then by Mark 3, the tension really goes up as those conflicts escalate. This is now when the religious leaders start getting angry about Jesus. And it's in Mark chapter 3 that you see them formulate their first plot to kill Jesus. So the tension really building. Mark 4, it's all about the parables. The tension stays high. It doesn't go up or down. Jesus kind of goes through a sequence of parables. But I want you to see something. Um, Soon we're going to be in Mark 5. And look at this. All of a sudden now, the tension gets to its height so far in the book of Mark. Because in Mark 5, actually the end of four and and throughout Mark 5, this is when Mark shows us this sequence of giant miracles 
that Jesus does. In other words, his exousia gets on display even more than ever, and there's a lot of tension. In fact, there are multiple miracles that happen in uh, the end of four and into five, where uh, in all of them, in all of these, the word fear is used. We haven't seen the word fear in Mark. Fear of Jesus, fear of consequences, fear of a lot of stuff all of a sudden happening in five, and we're going to be getting there right after Super Tailgate Sunday. Uh, That's going to be the next part that we're in, so it's going to be kind of a big deal. Uh, as we study that every Sunday in September. I hope you'll be part of that uh, next month. Uh, But Mark puts, Mark here in chapter 4 puts most of the parables of Jesus that he shows us, he puts most of them together. In fact, I got a list here. You'll see these are all the parables in Mark, the soils, the lamp. Uh, Jeff unpacked this one for us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, lamp, the sown seed, the mustard plant. There's also uh, the parable of the tenants and the faithful servant. Mark shows us the fewest parables of any of the gospel writers. There's, there's less parables in Mark than in Matthew, Luke, and John. And I think it's really interesting the way Mark shows them to us. Let me show you the layout. There's 16 chapters in Mark. And look at this. Four of the six parables all right here, back to back to back to back. They're all right here in chapter 4. And then there's only two others, and they're kind of scattered out later on. Remember, Mark is showing us something. There is a method to his madness. We're seeing the tension build and build and build and build, and we're going to watch it get higher and higher and build all the way up until there's a, there's a big turn that happens right in the middle. Mark literally plants the apex of his story, not at the end, but right here in the middle. And we're going to watch how when this turn happens, when the tension gets to its peak, something happens and then everything changes. Everything, the way Jesus talks, the miracles that he does, the parables that he tells, everything changes once we turn that big corner, once we peek out at the apex. And don't worry, we'll be looking at that as we continue to build toward that big apex. But today we're going to be looking at these parables, some more of these parables in chapter 4. Jesus has been teaching, and everyone's always astonished at Jesus's teaching. But honestly, what we see is that not everybody gets it, right? Not everybody understands it. In fact, the disciples themselves They come to Jesus after he kind of gives his first big parable that Mark shows us in chapter 4. Jeff talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They come to him, you know, he's just been giving the parable of the soils. And the disciples don't get it. They don't understand. And they realize that not everybody is getting it. And so they come to Jesus, they're like, why do you talk this way? Why do you speak in parables? We, we don't know what you're talking about. Just say it straight up, Jesus. We don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus has a really interesting response. He's been teaching everybody, everybody, but to the disciples. You know what Jesus does? He says, come here, come here. I... I've been, I've been teaching everything to everyone, but I, I want you to do this. I want you to come here. Come here. I want you to just come on. Bring it in, guys. Just us. Just us. Not everybody else. Just us. Just come on. Come on. Listen. 
listen to what I have to tell you. And when Jesus brings them together, you know what they do. They gather together and they all, they all lean in. Right? They all, they all huddle up and they get really quiet so that they can hear and understand what Jesus is saying to them. Jesus unpacks the truth to these guys. When they, when they come on in, when they bring it in, when they huddle up, Jesus unpacks the truth and man is it good, right? Because they leaned in, the disciples got the scoop right from Jesus. And, and it's because they leaned in, they, they came to understand the teachings of Jesus in a deeper, a better way than everybody else did. And it was these guys that go on to become the apostles, they go on to plant the church. They go on to lead the church. They go on to do missions work. They go on to see God do miracle after miracle through them. They go on to write the New Testament. I mean, it's amazing to see God work through them once they lean in and hear what Jesus has for them. Jesus says to them, Jeff showed us this a couple of weeks ago in Mark 4, 11. He says, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything's in parables, so that, and he quotes the Old Testament here, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, that they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It's a hard saying of Jesus. He's saying, I'm, t I'm talking in parables because my teaching has two distinct effects on people, okay? My teaching affects people one of two different ways. My teaching, it either hardens or it cultivates. All right, my teaching hardens or cultivates. And the difference seems to be whether or not you're willing to bring it in, to, to lean in, right? So in Mark 4, 20, Jesus says, but those that were sown on the good soil, remember this, the parable of the sower, to the seeds that were sown on the good soil are the ones that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold, right? He's saying that when my teaching cultivates your soil, it begins to produce fruit. He's just talked about in the parable of soil, sometimes it hardens, and so the seed just bounces off and never takes root. So my question is for you today, first blank on your page, is this, what is my listening posture? What is my listening posture? When I have the opportunity to hear from the word of God or to hear the voice of God, do I lean back or do I lean in? Is my posture arms crossed, head cocked? Why are you laughing, Susan Farnham? <laughs> Is my, is my posture very casual? Is my posture indifferent? Or am I leaning in? Am I ready to absorb? 
Is my heart inclined to him so that I can get what he has to give me? What does my soil look like? So in verse 21, he says to them, this is the next parable. He says to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Right, he's saying, he's saying that, um, that the lamp has been brought in to the darkness. So he's saying that we live in a dark world. Right? We live in a world of darkness. And in those days, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, the way they lit the darkness is they had these little bitty lamps, these little tiny oil lamps. They were about this size. This is a replica, not an original. I have an original. I have a 2,000-year-old oil lamp from Bethlehem at home. I'm not bringing it here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and they would fill this with oil. I've filled it with olive oil. And they would light the lamp in the darkness. And that little lamp would give light into the dark room. Yeah. What would that be like if it was dark in here? We live in a world of darkness. And Jesus is saying the lamp has been brought in. Darkness. Think about darkness. Right now we're in it. Darkness is disorienting. Right? It's confusing. Darkness is scary. You're trying to live your life in the dark, and sooner or later, you're going to get hurt. Right? Sooner or later, you're going to bonk your head, or you're going to trip over something. Sooner or later, you're going to fall in a hole. Sooner or later, you're going you're, you're you're to experience pain because of the darkness that is disorienting and scary. Right? And the problem is that we made it dark. It's us. God made this world to be a beautiful, light-reflecting, glory-exhibiting world that shows who he is. He created each and every one of us to shine our light, but we covered that light when we chose to rebel against him. We chose to rebel and move from light into darkness. Can't see can't understand only stumble around in this dark world and make a mess and God hates this God hates this it's the opposite of what he designed it's the opposite of what he created he made this world so that his glory could be clearly seen and recognized but we ruined it by rebelling from him so it's really bad Bible says that God punishes sin. God deals with darkness eternally. He will not tolerate rebellion forever. He will get the justice he deserves since his beautiful, bright world was stolen from him. 
But Jesus here in this parable is saying that the lamp has been brought in. The lamp brings the light. And it lights up stuff so you can see Jesus is the light of the world. And he has stepped into the darkness. He stepped into the darkness of the world. He stepped into your darkness with his light. And on that cross, he paid the just price for our sin. Right, All the blame for the rebellion, all the blame for the darkness was laid onto Jesus on the cross, and he paid for it in death. He took it to the grave, but then three days later, he walked away from it, and now he brings the light into your life. No more stumbling in the dark. No more trying to find your way. He brings light. He brings hope. He brings purpose. He brings direction that's the purpose of the light this is the next blank good luck filling it in the purpose of the light is to expose what is hidden the purpose of the light is to expose what is hidden so Jesus goes on and he says nothing nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light if anyone has ears to hear let him hear jesus is saying that whatever secret you got whatever even secret sin that you have he says it's there and hidden to be made manifest it's a secret so that it will come to light it's not that it's accidentally a secret he is fully aware and fully on purpose that it's hidden that it is in the dark it's dark because he will shine his light even the darkness glorifies God in some way does that scare you does that worry you that your dark secrets will be made manifest? It used to worry me. It, it used to feel awful to me, scary to me. I used to be worried about this. I don't want my secret. I don't want you to know my dark, deep secrets. I don't want anybody to know my dark, deep secrets. I kind of lie to myself about my, I, I don't want them out in the public. I don't want them to be seen. I don't want the light to shine on my darkness. I want to keep it to myself. To me, for a while, this kind of felt like a threat from Jesus. Oh, I'll bring my light and I'll shine my light and I'll see all of your sin. So we can all look at you and go, what a moron you are. Felt kind of like a betrayal from Jesus. He wants me to trust him, but sooner or later he's going to shine his light on me and I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be embarrassed and he's going to prove just how bad I am. But I want you to think about it for just a minute. Sin messes everything up, right? Sin twists and distorts and disfigures everything. Sin trips you up and makes you fall. Sin hurts you. Sin is your enemy, not God. And guess what? Secrets are no secret to him. He already knows my deepest, darkest sin. So when Jesus brings his light into my life and reveals my sin, he's not revealing it to himself. He's revealing it to me. He's revealing it to me. He's saying, let me light your life up so that you can see what is out to get you. 
so that you can see what's going to trip you up, so that you can look ahead and see what's going to potentially destroy you. I don't want you destroyed. I don't want you hurt. I don't want you broken. I want you to be lit up so that you can see where you're going and so that you can walk in the light as I am in the light. That's why the scripture says, Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen? Don't you wish you'd leaned into that light before you got caught up in that terrible sin? Don't you wish you'd leaned into that light before you fell into that addiction? Don't you wish you'd leaned into that light and been able to see before you fell into that bad marriage? Don't you wish that light had been present and brighter in your life? So it shouldn't worry us that he's going to shine his light. It should embolden us. It should give us courage. That should make us want to run to the light, to lean in, to strain toward it, to reach for it always. So light it up. Light it up. Let God's light shine in your life. Amen? Amen. Mark 4, Jesus goes on and he says this, Pay attention to what you hear With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He's saying, pay attention, lean in, come on, bring it in. He's saying, lean in and get this. Make sure that you're ready to receive And that you do whatever you got to do to receive what he has to give you. He says you wouldn't bring a lamp in and put it under a bed or a bushel. A bushel. The word there in in my translation is basket. uh, But the word literally means a measuring basket or a measuring amount. And it's most often translated a bushel. A bushel. You know, a, a bushel. You wouldn't hide it under a bushel. And this is a term of measurement. And so right after that, he says, pay attention, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, right? So what he's saying is he's saying, pay attention, lean in. He's saying, what is your capacity to receive? He's saying, whatever measure you'll use, whatever measure you'll use, however you make yourself available, whatever capacity you have, I will fill you up. I'm here to fill you up. So if you're available one teaspoon, I'll fill you up. But that ain't much. If you're available one uh, half of a cup, I'll fill you up. But that's not much. And he's saying, make yourself available. Increase your capacity. Do whatever you got to do to open yourself up and receive his word. Because the more you are open, the greater capacity you have, the more he'll fill you. The less capacity you have, if you don't have time for him, if you don't have a place for him in your schedule, he's saying, I won't have time for you. I won't have a place for you. But he's saying, I want you. Open yourself up. Man, open yourself up wide so that you can receive all that I have for you. To the degree that you're open, to the degree that you're willing, that's how I will fill you. Be a large capacity listener. Don't lean back. 
But lean in. Come on, lean in. Be open to receive what he has for you. That's why we work so hard. We work so hard here behind the scenes to make sure that we make all of our resources available to you any way we can. So starting back in 2009, we made the sermons all available via podcast. In fact, you can get that today. This is a screenshot of our podcast on Spotify. I mean, what a podcast is, if you don't know, it's like a, it's a broadcast. It's a recurring broadcast of our message. And when you subscribe to our podcast or when you click the follow button on our podcast, what happens is every time there's a new one that we upload, it comes directly to you. So you don't have to go looking for it. Your thing alerts you, oh, got a, got a new one. And so you can get it on Spotify or you can get it on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And we just want that to be available to you. We want you to have capacity and to be filled. We also, you know, still have up uh, our stand page from last year. And I put a QR code here so you could get to it. Last year, we spent the whole year talking about standing and building your house. Right, And we talked about anchoring into the rock instead of the shifting sand that our world has fallen for and is falling because. Right, And so I spent the whole year on this page. Uh, we've got uh, all of the sermons from last year. We got resources in there. We got links to books that we did. We also have ways for you to directly engage in joining groups and serving and all kinds of things. And it's all right here on this one page. We just have that all available to you. I just, I just want you to have it. I want you to be, I want you to be, a, I want you to be a bushel. I want you to be open. I want you to lean in. I want you to take the time, make the time, and have your heart open and available to him. That's why we're doing Super Tailgate Sunday next week. Next week, it's all about increasing our capacity by engaging in life groups. So we're celebrating life groups next week, and if you're not in a life group, you'll have a chance to walk around and get some food and listen to some music and meet all of our life group leaders. We'll all be present here, and you can find your group. That's another way to just make yourself available to what he wants to do in you. Because I want you to increase your capacity. I want you to be a bushel. Look, I don't want you to be, you know, a teaspoon or a tablespoon. Is that what you want? I don't want you to be a cup or two. Is that what you want? Don't you want to be a bushel? Don't you want to be available to him and just lean in and say, God, give me whatever you'll give me. I just want what you have for me. Isn't that you? Isn't that what you want to be? That's pretty weak. Okay. (laughs) Next blank is this. Jesus beckons me to lean in hard. He beckons me to lean in hard. He says this in verse 26. He says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. And the earth produces by itself first the blade, 
in the ear and the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He's saying that the seed is being planted, it's germinated, and it's going to grow. And it says he does not know how. He does not know how. Listen, to me, this verse, this passage is one of the reasons that I'm able to stay in ministry. Because I've been, I've been doing this for decades now. Here at the Orchard Church, we started the Orchard Church in 2009. So we've been doing this for 14 years here at the Orchard Church. It'll be our 15th anniversary next year, David Lynn. It's a long time, especially for me, because <laughs> I'm old. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, I mean, I watch and I, I pour my guts out. Every Sunday I come and I'm pouring my guts out. And I'm just hoping, I'm begging God, and I'm begging you. I just want you to be a bushel. I just want you to receive what God has. I want to see God do the work in you that he wants to do. I want to see us become the people that he wants to create so that we'll follow him, so that we'll worship him, so that we'll change the world around us. That's what I want. That's what I want so much. But so often, I get that lean back feel. The response I feel like I get so often is this lean back, not lean in. I mean, I'll just be honest. I feel a lot of times in here like I'm begging and pleading and it's falling on deaf ears. I feel that way sometimes. Not you, not the early service, the later services. <laughs> and Jesus says that the seed gets planted and the farmer goes to bed and it takes root, it germinates, it takes root, and it begins to come up, and it says the farmer does not know how. And here's what I believe. This is why I stay in ministry. Because I believe it's my job to cast the seed, and I believe the Holy Spirit makes it germinate. It's in His time, not my time. And I believe that even though you may be sitting there with arms crossed and head cocked, and I'm wondering if you're even awake, I believe, I believe that his word will not return void. And so I believe, I believe that I'm just here just trying to be obedient and just trying to plant, plant, plant. That's why usually when you come in here on a Sunday, uh, you're going to see verse after verse after verse after verse up here on the screen because I just want to get it all over you. I just want to get it out there and get it all over you. And I'm just praying and believing that at some point, Holy Spirit is going to work it, it's going to germinate, and there will be fruit. I've seen it in a lot of you. I've seen it in you, David Lynn. I've watched him change you and grow you since you've been here. I mean, even as a deacon, even as an elder, dude, you're, you're a back row dude. You like the back row, but look where you are now. I watched you during worship. You had your hands up, praising the Lord. You've been calling our deacons to lead in worship by coming and meeting for prayer on the deck out front before the service even begins. That's Holy Spirit germinating the seed and bringing it to harvest. I see it in you. I see it in a lot of you guys. I see it happening, and I don't know how. All I know is my job is to plant as best as possible. Let me ask you, what is it that you are planting? What is it that you are planting in your life? 
because I know the way it is with most Christians. I know the way it, it is with me sometimes. I feel like I feel like my job is to is to hear from God and to and to preach. And so I don't. I got a lot of stuff going on. Man, I got grandkids. I got a job. I got places to be. I got requirements to meet. I got things to do. And so God, this week I only had room for this much. You know, this week I only had room to, to receive this much, but I sure do seem to be planting a lot of other things. Sometimes Sherry and I will be watching TV. And these days watching TV is different than it used to be when I was a kid. You know, because my favorite show would come on, you know, whatever, it, Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And that was it. You had to, if you wanted to watch your favorite show, you had to wait until the next Thursday if it was already 8 o'clock. You had to wait a whole week before you could see another episode. Not anymore. Now, sometimes we're watching something we've been wanting to watch. And we watch two episodes, three episodes, four episodes. And it gets to be late in the evening. And I, you know, my quiet time happens pretty early in the morning, but it's late right now, and we're all up in this show, and I'll look at her. You know how I say it, Sherry. I say, okay, it's late. It's late, babe. It's really late. I'm about to fall asleep, but are we going to watch No More or One More? <laughs> no More or One More? And she says, what do you think? And I click play. And then the next morning... I've been planting a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't have the capacity for him. What are you planting in your life? What is it that you are working in your field? I believe that he wants to plant his word and that when he plants it, it will grow. How much of it do you want? How much of it do you want? Do you just want this much? Or do you want so much more? Amen. Isaiah 55 says it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You know what, men and women? You are the farmer. I'm making the case that you're the soil, and you are in the first parable, but right here, you are the farmer. This is our year of evangelism, and you have been with me in life groups praying for the names of people that you believe God wants to use you in their life. You believe God wants to use you to, to bring them to Christ. You are the farmer farmer and you've been praying for your field you're the farmer and my challenge to you from this parable is the next blank on your page plant expectantly plant expectantly he says my word will produce fruit wherever it goes it will not return void it will come back and it will multiply so plant expectantly. Know that he is going to use you because he's using his word. Just like me, continuing to scatter the seed Sunday after Sunday, all week after all week, 
you have been given a field to cultivate and to plant. Plant expectantly because God is going to bring the return. His word is good. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 119, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you've given us. I've rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I'll study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. He goes on a little later in the same chapter, verse 33. He says, teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Dude, that's the prayer of the bushel right there. That's the prayer of the bushel. Lord, give me your word. Shut me off from everything else. I don't want to cultivate. I don't want to cultivate for money. I don't want to cultivate for revenge. I don't want to cultivate uh, for my glory. I want to cultivate for you. Lord, give me, give me more of your word. Come on, come on, people. Lean in, lean in. Let Jesus break open the secrets of his kingdom for you. Last blank on your page. Plant expectantly because harvest season is almost here. Harvest season is coming. It's almost here. It's August. September and October are on the way. Listen, this world is coming to a close. Everything is coming apart at the seams. It is painfully obvious. But the harvest is on its way. Keep planting expectantly. 